becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song. Also, congratulations, you made it to a lull. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is the first awkward silence. <laughs> it's here, what do y'all do? Uh, well, you wait. Yeah. You just got to wait for the next thing. Yeah. It comes. It does. Mm-hmm. But isn't this also like an ancient thing? Hmm. Um, the, the lull in conversation? Yeah, like it happens in groups of people in classrooms. It's like a instinctual the group settles to listen for predators oh, hmm. fascinating y'all never heard that oh. no I, I mean i've heard that it is a like it is it always happens in groups of people mm-hmm. and i've experienced that i never considered about it it being about listening for predators that's i mean honestly that sounds way uh, that sounds very logical to me yeah yeah it does uh-huh i also think there's something empath- empathetic about it it's like when we're talking, we're, we're communing, but there's also something that you receive some, from somebody in silence and in mm. the, um, the searching for what's next. It's like yeah. we all are quiet. We realize we got done with this subject, and it's like, I'm going to feel you in your silence. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? Mm. Do you still want to be here? Are you comfortable? Mm-hmm. Do you want to continue? Yeah. I think I like that being, especially being comfortable with silence. You know, I think with Alice and I, even in our conversations, like sometimes you'll just sit there and then three minutes later, you're like, you'll pick up on something else. You know, mm-hmm. I also have to do that with me a lot more because I'll sit there and <laughs> like go off. Particular <laughs> to us. Oh my God. <laughs> we have the slowest conversation. <laughs> well, sometimes Alice will catch me out. We'll be talking and then all of a sudden I'll kind of go off. And Allison go, Michael, where'd you go? <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, well, and then I'll explain to her where I went. <laughs> and then you got to rewind your whole thought process. Journey back to me. Journey back to me. Babe. Babe. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> new movie with Rachel McAdams and... <laughs> Sorry, no, Rachel McAdams. <laughs> Pop culture is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't even understand when you say things like that. <laughs> Pop culture is not my thing, and I don't know who Rachel McAdams is. Those aren't. It's not even things? no. See, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you guys know who Rachel McAdams is, but I don't. Yeah. Do you know who she is? No. Really? <laughs> Who's Rachel McAdams? She's an actress. She's been. She was in the Notebook. See, these are the things that they, they talk about on Alex Booker and Sarah this on 94.7. What, this is what happens when you have five kids. You you didn't even see the notebook. She no, did. I saw the yeah. notebook. Oh, I okay. I love it. So you know, I know who Rachel I know McAdams is. I zero celebrities. Like, honestly, Beyonce, Will Smith, <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise. Who's Beyonce married to? Kanye? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. I didn't even know that's a Kardashian. I knew that one. Right? No, what? <laughs> Kanye, West, Kanye West is married to Kardashian, right? Yeah, Kanye is oh, not okay. a Kardashian. Kanye know. is married to a Kardashian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Woo, 
super nerds. <laughs> yeah. Those back loops. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, so cool. who's Beyonce married to? Jay-Z. Oh, okay. I knew it was somebody. <laughs> it was somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pop culture. Yeah. So now we're just going to have to have a lull as I get my mind away from pop culture. <laughs> I know. Huh? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. We listen to it every morning, me and the kids. So our like morning On the radio? Is, we listen to Alex Booker and Sarah, and they have um, their morning thing is, let's can't beat Booker. So they have five pop culture questions that a listener will call in and try and answer, and then they answer and however many they get right versus however many Booker gets right. Mm. So most of my pop culture info comes from that segment. Classic morning radio. <laughs> yeah, and I probably should not be letting my kids listen to <laughs> some of this, but I'm like, oh, whatever. They're entertained. Yeah. And <laughs> Sometimes you have to put a value like on that higher than anything else. It's like if yeah. they're entertained, if they're not tearing mm-hmm. each other's limbs off, Right, and I'm in traffic on I-35, yeah. so we need to survive this. And our new minivan does not have a DVD player. Bum, bum, bum. See, I'm cool with that. <clears throat> I got have, a, wait, I, have you ever had one? Yeah, yeah. I got, a, a, <laughs> I got an SUV a couple years ago that has a DVD player, and the, the kids love it. I absolutely hate it. Mm. Why? Well, I could probably solve it by getting headphones for them, but I don't have any headphones. Uh-huh. Like the infrared, you know, because you got to have the infrared headphones. So they can all have headphones. Or they just listen to it. Yeah, well, they just listen to it at the speakers. Uh-huh. And, and that's what I hate, because I also have to listen to it. Oh, okay. I don't want to listen to it. I want to listen to something I want to listen to. <laughs> so now I'm stuck listening to the movie, but I can't see the movie. Mm-hmm. It's no good for oh, me. Oh, man, I've listened to so many movies. So many movies. I mean, if it's a movie I like, like an old one, they love Mrs. Doubtfire, which I don't mind at all listening to. Because <laughs> yeah. Robin Williams is just an absolute gem. Oh, yeah. His vo- just his voices that he does are so great. I don't need the the visuals. Mm-mm. Well, I guess it might be illegal, but we just put on our headphones. We listen to our own thing and let the kids have the movie on the speaker. Is that illegal? Mm-hmm. I, think I think so. so. To drive and listen to headphones because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're not aware of your, your surroundings, huh? But are you really aware of your surroundings when you've got Aladdin blasting? <laughs> Not when I can show you the world comes on. No, I'm in a whole new world. I've got a new fantastic point of view. A wondrous place. Is it that a thrilling nice space? I don't remember where it goes. <laughs> For you and me. Yes, that's what we were. That's, that's what, what we were looking as for. As long now. as we get that. Thank you. Tied up with that line. I had to live through this before the podcast started. They were singing Aladdin <laughs> but it's songs. True. So. <laughs> it's great. It is. I mean, the music in that movie is so fantastic. It's it's like a iconic music. Yeah. I wonder who for wrote our generation. All that stuff. For our generation. Yeah, for our generation. What is it for the kids' generation? What's mm. the iconic music? Good question. Like. The, there aren't a lot of musicals. It used to be only musicals was what we got as kids. Right. Um, for some reason, Rascal Flats from Cars mm. is coming to mind. Like, I couldn't hear that song without seeing that movie in my brain. Yeah. Um, is that Life is a Highway? No Life way. is a highway. Yeah. I want to ride it all night long. <laughs> Rascal Flats kills. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, that's kind of old, though. That's more like... Yeah, it is. That was like 80s. Elia Austin's 
their their childhoods. Um, <clears throat> I have no idea. But now they're remaking them all. Like Lion King's back, Aladdin's back, Little Mermaid's what, what back. What is up with that? Like, can we? Are we just not able to create new things, or is this like a, a time in history where it's like? Like, we kind of have to update these stories? <clears throat> I think it's about technology. Hmm. I think that there are really good stories that we as parents love, but the format of those films is not high enough quality. So now, because we've jumped that divide, right, mm-hmm. between lo-fi and high tech and so now we want the things that we loved as children, but in the, like, better quality Oh, that's um, yeah. Mediums. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't no? know. Well, maybe, but I think it's happening all the time. I mean, stories have always been told and retold. Yeah, and updated. And updated. I mean, with movies specifically, I think it's happening now because it just couldn't have happened before. Like in the 80s and 90s, sequels didn't happen because they'd bomb. Mm-hmm. And like the, the stakes were so high. But now the the distribution methods of film and tv mm-hmm. are so widespread that it's like we can pump this stuff out and we've all got the bandwidth to consume it because we can do it in our homes whereas before you had to go out to the theater yeah but it's like the retelling of story this is fundamental yeah to our biology that's true yeah i guess i i, I well maybe it has to do the jump from like books to film where well, I guess it is kind of like you're retelling so many stories, even yeah, like Pinocchio, like almost everything started out as a book. You know, I mean, there's very few things that didn't, mm-hmm. that weren't, it wasn't a book just first, net new. and then now as a movie, you know, it's like, and, however, I think more often it's starting to become more of the case where it's a movie first without, without it being a book, you know, uh, which is fascinating to, to think about. I don't know. But all the best ones are archetypal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's that's that goes back to the episodic, you know, memory that we we're talking about earlier about. You know, that's there's that's the storytelling and it's speaking to us. You know, something that is kind of touching into that procedural area, the the chaos area. It's mm. like exp- we have to explain our the world around us and we use story to kind of help us engage that chaos, you know, through archetypical forms or, you know, and <clears throat> yeah, I think that's that I'm really fascinated with that, that, that aspect of our, of our, of yeah. our memory, which is that, you know, myth literature, um, religion fits in that, but then religion also starts to get into semantical memory and stuff like that. But uh, there's like overlap in those areas. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Story play, play is also episodic too because you're acting out a story with people. You know, like when kids play house or kids are playing, you know, tag. You know, it's like, you know, you're it. You know, you're you're representing these different. Uh, you know, run away. <laughs> that person's after you. You know, they're making sense of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're describing the world around them by mm-hmm. interacting with it mm-hmm. on a in an arena where there aren't deathly consequences yeah exactly exactly and there's a lot of you know i think sports are you know that way too is like we're able to there's a lot of primal aspects to why we you know why we act out oh man 
there's some there, I've heard some really great explanations on this. I don't I don't really have them off the top of my head, but I, I, I remember really enjoying some of the explanations behind sports and the primal aspects of this and how we act these things out. Like you know, people are like oh, football, stupid. You know, it's like, but there's there's something about that almost if you see it as more of like a uh, a play. You know, it's like and not necessarily like uh, almost a sport. You know, it's mm. it's. Uh, well, I was having that. I was pondering that the other day. We were, I was watching uh, a football game, which is something I don't find myself doing often. Mm-hmm. I think I was with you actually. I was watching the UT game. Mm-hmm. You texted me and said, "Come to the pub and watch the UT yeah, game." And uh-huh. I, I read, "Come to the pub," and I just <laughs> said, "Okay." <laughs> and UT. <laughs> um, but I was wondering, like, football is this massive, mm-hmm. massive sport. I mean, America rallies around football like no other sport. You don't see that same kind of exactly that same level of fandom engagement Mm -hmm. in um, baseball. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, in other parts of the world, you see some of that in soccer, but it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as um, fervent as the, the, the football thing. Like, I don't know. It was English. uh, Well, they're fervent. It's in a different way. And I think I I was as a, well, okay. So I think what I was pondering was like, Mm -hmm. okay, why is this? And I was just, there is something um, really primal and obviously super dangerous and very violent about football. Mm-hmm. And I think we like it. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah. maybe we like it partly because we don't really get much of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really trying to weed that out from the rest of our culture mm-hmm. everywhere else. But football, it's okay. I mean, these guys are screwing their heads up and irreversible damage. And we're totally fine with it. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess rugby is that way too. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Worse, less padding. Yeah. But do people get more hurt in rugby? Probably. You would think so. Yeah. I used to date a rugby player. They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cuckoo. Not crazy like me though. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was like terrifying to watch mm. because. They're not holding back. Yeah. Like big male bodies just <laughs> crashing. I like zero like zero attraction to that for me. <laughs> but I don't know. Is that a, like a guy thing? Like is there something I don't know. Was there any appealing? part of you that enjoyed watching it? Well, I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I just could never like I would never want to do that. Oh, same. Like I'm never gonna play football. It's ridiculous. No. Mm. But I, I I do enjoy watching it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I and then maybe that's my point. It's like it's fascinating because it is acting out a part of us, a part of who we are, mm-hmm. like it or not. And the parts of who we are need to be acted out. Mm-hmm. Even if we can't. Yeah. Or us versus I mean, there them. Is a, it's a safe it's a very safe us versus them situation where mm-hmm. it's not leading to death like your team sucks well my team's better you know it's like there's that play acting that's kind of healthy rather than us it leading into like you know that's why competition's good is because it acts acts out those maybe those primal aspects of us Mm -hmm. but it's in a healthy way that we can you know it's somewhat controlled but you're still activating those so is football a form of art if we describe it this way (laughs) I would go there, but yeah, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, you're the football yeah, yeah. player. 
<laughs> well, because I was just thinking, like, there was a great, I think it was Madeline Lingle. I, I probably brought it up on the podcast mm-hmm. before, actually. I think, yeah. I know I did. Just oh. described um, story. Like, we write mm. stories, we write fictions, because it gives us a space to explore parts of ourselves without consequence. Yeah. We can explore the evil in us by putting it onto a character, and we play out their story. Mm-hmm. And we do it by writing or, or reading that story. Yeah. And in that way, if football is acting out something primal in us that we enjoy watching, yet we don't want to engage in ourselves physically. Shoot. Yeah. Is that art? Maybe. There's some, there's some really, I mean, this is fascinating. Like, uh, we, we, golly, it's like, I don't know what we've talked about, what we've talked about on the podcast. We've, <laughs> but it doesn't that, matter. It's doesn't all matter. worth talking about yeah. again. Remake it. Like, remake it. Like Aladdin. <laughs> Here comes Aladdin again. Uh, you know, PTSD, it, it's, it, it talks about people who have really have had, uh, have more problem with PTSD type situations as people that don't have a concept of evil, like good and evil. And so when they encounter something that is horrific, it's like, it's something that just does not compute in their, in their worldview. Um, and not that people do have a, a, a healthy concept of sort of good and evil, good and bad or whatever. Like it doesn't not, not that it doesn't affect them, but it affects them less because they already have a conception that really bad stuff happens. And so how do you, as a society, sh- you know, interact in the, or prepare people for a world that is not always nice or good that somebody, not everybody wants the best for you. How do you prepare your kids for that? How do you prepare, you know, a society for that? Yeah. I think that's, you know, games are a way to do that. You know, you come back to free speech, you come back to like, you know, dialogue and, and that kind of stuff too. But like there, there's also that you do need to be able to also what you're capable of in competition. It's like, Oh, I pushed it too far. You Mm -hmm. know, I did, I was not a, I was not a good sport and that actually was vengeful or hateful, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you need to be able to see that in yourself. Um, you know, cause I remember in basketball, like I, <clears throat> I can see all these different areas where, you know, I just got mad and was going after somebody and it was, I was a horrible basketball player doing that because I was just, I was uncontrolled and ended up, I actually ended up not doing very well because I was just, I just wanted to get the person, you know, whatever it was, you know, and there, and when you do that, it's like, you're just, you're not controlled. And so you're not really actually, you know, affecting the other person at all. Well, you're not playing the game at that Mm -hmm. point. If you're not, if you're not playing by the rules of the game, you're not participating in the, Mm -hmm. in the sport. Yeah. But I also love it too. I mean, there's all these things that, that competition teaches you. Cause I remember like I was never, I was never the fastest or I could jump the highest, but or my dad always told me it was just like, you know, to play smart, you know, like it's like if you're smarter than the other person, they can be better, more athletic, you know, jump higher than you. But you, if you can play smart, you have an advantage, you know? And so I just always remember, like, I just would let people just talk shit to me and they would steal the ball. They would, you know, you know, block the ball and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I just kept my cool. And then occasionally I would just, I would, I would beat them on two or three times and they didn't have a lot of self-control, and then they would just lose it and threw them off their game. Well, that breaks down the currency that they have. Uh-huh. If the only currency they have is uh, aggressiveness mm-hmm. and and their ability, if, if you if you if you if you just check that once and they can't trash talk anymore, you right. know they, they see that back that backfiring on them. It throws their game off, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
um, there's a lot of instances like that, that also like, you know, where my dad told me, he's like, when you go out there, you leave it all on the court. Like that's something that's stuck with me forever. You know, it's, it's, and I always, and I know what that means. Like I've lost games, basketball games where I left it all on the court and I was pleased with myself. Hmm. I've won games and lost games where I didn't leave it all on the court. And I know what that feels like, you know? Mm-hmm. Take it home with you. Yeah, it's like it's like no, you really didn't play at your. You did not play at your best. You didn't leave it all on that court, you know. And that's a horrible feeling, you know. And again, it's not. You, you got to be careful because you also can't be like, you know, hard on yourself. Some mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, I could have done better," <clears throat> but you know, you have to have a, a right view of yourself to to say that to, too. But I, was, I think that gave that to me too. Mm-hmm. I did. It gave you the proper working structure to deal mm-hmm. with that. And the experience of it. Like, it was a, it's a visceral experience. It's not just a logical thing. It's a visceral feeling when you know, like, I did my best, you know. Define visceral. Ooh. Um, we did this exercise the other night. It's, I feel like it's another one of these words where <clears throat> the other night, not on the podcast, but yeah, I think yeah, after yeah. the podcast, we were mm-hmm. talking about the word cathartic. Oh, yeah, that's right. So another one of these words where it's like, I know what it means and how to use it, but mm-hmm. ask me to define it and I'll probably screw struggle up. a little bit, you know? <laughs> totally. totally. Well, visceral is like, it's, you're, it's an ex, you're experiencing it. Like it's something that is tangible. It's, it's almost like, I would say almost like an intangible tangibility, you know? Intangible tangibility. If our kids were here, they would know the Latin root. Yeah. And be able to define that. Totally. Valor, baby. Viscera. Like, I think it has to do with guts. Of the body? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the literal, like, guts. Hmm. Like, visceral. Yeah. It's It's almost an instinct. Like, when when you go up the ratchet of the roller coaster and then hit that top and then drop, it's visceral. Mm-hmm. No. Um, uh, for me, what the experience that comes to mind is when I'm with a mom in labor. <coughs> She's in labor, but I feel in my body mm-hmm. where her where like, she feels it. Yeah, like doulas literally can um, hurt themselves. Like we're instinctually pushing hmm. when the mom is pushing. Hmm. It's like a visceral like connection that we can't. Or like when you're feeding aware a, of. when you're feeding a baby and you go, you open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we all just open our mouth. <laughs> it's, it's instinct. Uh-huh. Um, you're mimicking to the child to like, you know, it's yeah. instinctual. Yeah, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. visceral, but I mean, you can hear it just listening to a story, and it can a story can be like mm-hmm. the way something's described. It's visceral, like you. To me, it's about feeling it in your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can. I, I, I wanted to bring, maybe throw in a diff, another idea about why we're obsessed with sports. Hmm. Um, and it go it links back to my the only college class that I ever actually loved. Um, he it was a communication class, and the professor had us read. I think the guy's name was Howard, and he talked about seven different types of intelligence. Have y'all heard? Do y'all know this? Kinesiological. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. But that our culture only really recognizes as intelligence like three of them, hmm. um, which are like the analytical and the linguistic and um, 
you're good at math, you're good at language, you're good at um, the left brain mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hey. Um, but there are actually a whole bunch of different types of intelligence, but our culture doesn't recognize them as that. Mm-hmm. And kinesthetic intelligence, like the amazing ability to coordinate and activate your body in, in extreme ways yeah. is an actual intelligence hmm. that some people have. So every pro athlete, every prima ballerina, every soccer star like these people have extreme kinesthetic intelligence Hmm. and we get to recognize that and celebrate that in sports Hmm. and jason Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) Bourne. i mean yeah Uh, that dude did some crazy cool stuff yeah he did with his body (laughs) which is actually matt damon oh that's right (laughs) the human oh i thought it was jason Bourne. I don't know. Maybe it's stunt doubles. <laughs> I mean, that is an awesome thing to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, we you celebrate it in your own body when you experience it, whether mm-hmm. it's through dance or I don't know. You like you could even trip a certain way, and then you catch yourself, and you're like, well, like "I got me." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like me. my yeah. my limbs did their thing, and I didn't even know they could do that. And yeah, yeah. What's funny? I've heard both of you guys talk about this, and and uh, and for me, it's swimming, but like. Uh, whatever you know, whatever when you're talking about, like in counseling and stuff like that, like the the lady told you to exercise to get your body moving to produce those endorphins and like you feel different. You know, it's like so it's something that's that's very physical that you just just do it and it already kind of it gets you into another place. You yeah. know, so um, uh, so I think that's something that we all experience. But then you you think about it like on a even deeper level, like you, you understand that, like what that is as far as like what you're capable of. And, you know, in dance, as you're moving, moving your body more, it's giving you more intelligence and awareness of how to move your body mm. and even a more of a desire to get out. And so like, you can also see the health healthiness that comes out of that. You know, it's like for me, for, you know, you know, business really stressful and stuff like that, but I go swim because and I just do it because I know the effects that has for me to, you know, make good decisions and to kind of get out and, and reduce stress and that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you see it and feel it in your body and it makes you think, it makes you think differently too, whenever you exercise or. Yeah. Um, if, if, if we're talking about kinesthetic intelligence, mm-hmm. is that how you say that it? That was a term. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, which I, yeah. Assume has to do with, um, Kinesthetic energy? Is that the right word? Kin- Kinesiology? No. Uh, there's like potential energy and then there's kinetic. kinetic. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. Um, but you're talking about movement and exercise affecting the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Could it be that exercising different forms of intelligence is good and necessary for the health of the other forms of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think so. Because I've experienced the same thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I started doing yoga uh, three or four days a week Mm -hmm. uh, three years ago, right, when I split from my ex. Mm -hmm. And it was on the advice of my counselor. I was doing really, really badly. I dropped a bunch of weight, um, was very unhealthy and uh, he didn't say to do yoga specifically, but he was like, you have two jobs. You have to eat, you have to exercise. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, that comes first. It's above your kids. It's above your wife. It's above your job. Got to do those things. Hmm. Which was like a crazy, I couldn't imagine anybody saying that to me before. Like something comes before my kids and my mm-hmm. wife and my job. Like these are the things that have been taught in our culture for men. Like those, mm-hmm. that's your order of importance in life. Right. And I kind of realized like, oh yeah, this is dire. If I don't get myself under control, I'm not going to make it really. Like I was really deteriorating. Um, but that was an interesting sort of, uh, reframe. Like if I can't, if I don't work on this sort of that form of intelligence, the, the awareness of my body and my health, Mm -hmm. then I can't really attend to the other things that require my emotional intelligence or Mm -hmm. my logical intelligence, my rational intelligence. Mm -hmm. Your inner inter the two, two other ones were interpersonal intelligence and intrapersonal intelligence. Mm. So I don't know which is which, but one of them was <laughs> the ability to understand yourself and relate to yourself. Mm. And then the other one is the ability to understand and relate to other people. And anyway, fascinating. Yeah. But I think the core... Yeah, the physical component of like literally nourishing yourself. Hmm. I mean, if you, that's like the bottom of the survival. Yeah, it's kind of step one. And I think we do take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's sort of a given. Like we don't really struggle to get food, Mm -hmm. the most of us, you know. We don't really struggle to. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the message we're, we're preaching to our moms, our postpartum moms every week. Like. To be a good mom means you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's putting the putting your children's needs before your own at all cost is not good parenting. Right. That's detrimental parenting. Um, but you know we love them. We want to give them everything. We want to meet their every need, and that desire's there. But it's actually if you live that way, you nourish them and not yourself, and then you wither mm-hmm. and die. And mm-hmm. it's, and that's well, that's not putting your kids' needs ahead of you right. if you die, right? <laughs> it's like just a little, um, no, because they are relying on us, they are relying on us, but the messaging, um, of self sacrifice, I think, especially in Christian culture, can be really damaging. Yeah. If it's taken in a sort of like totalitarian way, like if, if that message is put first, Mm -hmm. like self-sacrifice always in every situation, like ultimately that's not good. It's martyrdom. Right. And we're not really called to that. That's not what makes family. Maybe occasionally there's people mm-hmm. that are called to that, but I think mm-hmm. our everyday experience is... Well, martyrdom, martyrdom is also not self-imposed or self-inflicted, you know? It's like, so it's like if you're, if you're inflicting your own martyrdom, <laughs> you're making a martyr out of yourself, like that's not really, you know, martyrdom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but if you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your kids, you know, and, and that is a form of, you know, martyrdom, but you're not put you're not putting that on yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I've there's a lot of nuance in yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Went too many directions. <laughs> <laughs> <In my head. laughs> uh, well, okay. Here's a, 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 a kind of going back on uh, kind of what you guys were sharing too, because I think there's something something very primal too, as far as like whenever you're taking to that place that you've you kind of you just need the basics, you know, to to eat, to exercise, mm-hmm. until you you can't really you really can't do other things until you take care of those things. And I think, uh, you know, I, I was driving home whenever we dropped you and the kids off, uh, with, uh, uh, Leah and Caldwell, you know, and I was just like, I was like, what, what was it? Uh, I was thinking about like the worst thing, like I lost, I lost my mind, you know, when I was 19, like the thing that I probably value the most, you know, and like how that was, you know, how that, taught me so much um, through that experience of losing something that I value really highly. You know, it's like when you cannot trust your own thoughts Hmm. and you know, I was relegated to that place of like, I would get up, I would get on my bike and I would go and I would just go and I would walk. I would just get out of the house and I'd walk or I would do this. So I had these things I would just do if you would ask me why, or I read a book or whatever, it didn't matter. I was like, I knew that if I just got out the door, it was good. Yeah. You just know, just to move, just to move. I think I things. Remember our, yeah. I remember our dear friend that used to live here in a super hard season. Mm-hmm. All she could do was just put her baby in the stroller and walk. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how she survived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just walk. I think when things get dire enough, chaotic enough, things start degrading enough to a point where it's threatening the death of something, whether that's mind or spirit or body, mm-hmm. you, you find something that you can start building some structure around mm-hmm. that you can start reorient so that you can start reorienting the madness mm-hmm. and Often that is a simple thing like a walk. Just get up and go walk. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have that. It's like a point of, of uh, an anchor mm-hmm. that you can then from there start working on some of the, some of the things that are going on. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things that came from that point in my life was like a lot of things. I get up and I read every morning. You know, it's like that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a way that I orient my day, you know, and, and that's something that the value of that, you know, not that every single day is, um, you know, that I get something amazing or whatever, you know, but I've seen the pattern of if I just get up Mm -hmm. and I do this action, I will get something out of it. Yeah. Whether it, whether it's today or five days from now or 10 years from now, um, 
that action's worth investing in. Exactly. Like swimming for me now is that too, is, is I know if I just go as much as I can, whether it's one lap or four laps, it doesn't matter. I just go. Yeah. And some weeks I miss it altogether and it sucks, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what yoga has become mm-hmm. for me is yeah. that I know that if I take the time to do it, I just 20 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. it changes things. Yeah. And if I don't take the time to do it, it also changes things mm-hmm. usually in ways that I don't notice for four or five days or a week. And all of a sudden there's like a sick madness in my head and I'm mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Oh, I haven't been moving my body mm-hmm. and I haven't been disciplined in the way that I'm used to. Yeah. And the, the fallout of that is a, is a lot of anxiety and a lot of, quite frankly, just kind of sick madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do yoga here or do you go to a class? At my house. I've been to classes before. I really enjoy them. But for me, it's like, I like doing it here because I like being uh, alone. Mm. I like taking, like, it's it's a time for me to not have any other input, Mm -hmm. not have any other stimulus. Mm -hmm. To just sort of sit down and be like, everything else gets to wait for now. It's beautiful. I have a hard time. Um, <clears throat> like when I'm at my house to car- create that boundary. Mm. I think it's cool. Like, oh, people can do it. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> well, it's hard when other people are here. I've, I've kind of trained. I can do it when my kids are here. I've kind of trained them though. Yeah. That like, they don't bother me when I'm doing it. I can do it in the room with them and they won't bother me. Is it the same? Do you get the same mental benefit? Mm, yeah. Because yeah. I think the mental benefit I receive is more about moving the body. I mean, the experience is different because I'm not quite as meditative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a meditative value to it and benefit there. Right. But I think for me, the biggest benefit is somehow like the mind-body connection that comes from exercise. I don't think it's specific to yoga. I mean, yoga has been super good for me. And I think there's a lot of research that suggests that um, like yoga is really, really beneficial for people who are experiencing PTSD, mm-hmm. um, anxiety in general. Mm. But I think it's really just about exercise. It's about moving your body. It could be dance, it could be swim, it could be calisthenics, it could mm-hmm. be sports. I mean, it really unlocks chemicals in your brain mm-hmm. that, that change the way that you think about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Valor needs to have a morning yoga practice. <laughs> there you go. But you run now too. So, I mean, that's like, mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like you're pretty. Yeah. I've done that for a couple of years now. And it was hundred percent to save sanity. Mm-hmm. I, no other reason. Yeah. But it's evolved. The reasons that I run now are totally different than why I started. Mm-hmm. But I find that most people who like exercise uh, like often in their 30s and 40s, like attribute it to some amount of, that's how I keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's because you need it more as you get older. Like you, you, you don't do it as naturally maybe. Like kids, you play, you, yeah. you run around and, and that's a little, a little bit more natural, but... 
as you get older, we become more, especially in our Western culture, you become more sedentary. And, yeah. And, right. you know, in college, we were playing sand volleyball and <laughs> cliff jumping uh-huh. and... And feeling no pain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I never was winded. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, also like a lot of the jobs, you know, prior to technology were physical labor, you know, of some sort, you know, you it was, I mean, unless you're typing or, um, behind a desk, but that's, I think that was very, a lot more rare than it is, than it was. It's a lot more rare now than it was like having more physical labor, like factory jobs and mm. that kind of stuff. But do you, did y'all, did your parents have like a physical activity that you remember them doing regularly? No. My dad did basketball practice with us. <laughs> My dad and I used to get up and go to the gym together when I was in high school, before school. Mm-hmm. And my mom has always walked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your mom's pretty a wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> more than pretty. Yeah. More than pretty wise, yeah. She's pretty too, but like... She's also pretty. <laughs> no, she's... Uh, she has a, she has access to the ancient. Yes, yeah, she does. Yes, yeah, she does. I love being around your parents. Yeah. Love you, Mike and Janine. <laughs> I think mom needs to be on. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll have her on. For yes, sure. please. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just sit in the episode? <laughs> Can I just be here to listen to that? Be the first live, live audience. There you go. Yeah. Shores of Ignorance podcast. Yeah. I'm a big fan of your whole family. Really. Thanks. I have not gotten to know Andrew as much, but I just super enjoy. Well, I just being—I enjoy being around you guys being together. Hmm. Even you just see the intimacy in these adult sibling relationships and parent relationships, and you just don't see that. Yeah. Often, I mean, Mm -hmm. kind of like me and Michael traipsing around town with five kids. Like you just don't see it often. Like Mm. there's a family of five adults. And they just, they like each other. They love each other, like each other. I mean, you love each other. I think the liking part is actually more rare. Yeah, that's the extraordinary part. Mm -hmm. Y'all play music together and it's... They really are my favorite people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's obvious. It's beautiful. And, um, it's honestly something I hope that we're able to cultivate with our, with our kids, um, that the brother and sisters still like each other and still mm-hmm. gather once a month and have monthly dinner and mm-hmm. support each other in their artistic endeavors. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a goal. That's a goal. Totally. I kind of I worry about it a lot because I want the same thing for my kids. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I have it. Shouldn't I know how to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and it's like I kind of do, but it's, it's like decoding. You mm-hmm. got to decode it, though. It's not like there was a, I don't have a manual. I just have relationships and I can sort of figure out how I got them, but then how to create them. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's funny because you start like, uh, you know, you come back to what we talked about last week or last episode is that thread, you know, there's a certain thread that, that runs through like relationships and stuff like that, that you want to you know, how do you recreate that? You know, and also what we were talking at the beginning, like kind of memes or cultural aspects that also communicate these things, but it's not just in the cultural, it's, there's also a thread underneath it that's, 
there's an intention behind it and there's a, um, it's not just, um, uh, void of meaning, um, because, uh, there's some sort of meaning embedded in that, that was modeled to you by your parents Mm -hmm. that you somehow coded into yourself, you know, and, and I, I think there's like things that are very primal to us and that also have led to our evolution in a sense, you know, and one of those is forgiveness. You know, it's, I think that is a huge aspect of human relationship and, um, that kind of binds you to somebody, you know, it's like when you forgive somebody, you are actually, you are wrong and you forgive somebody there's a bind, there's a binding to that. Yeah. And when you have that relationship with your parents too, of like, I forgive you or, Hey man, I was wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's something that is, that's, that you can see you become more than an animal in, in that, at that point, you there's know, sort of like a deep communication in that of, I see you mm-hmm. and I accept you. Mm-hmm. Or even and, and I recognize I this in myself mm-hmm. and I'm going to show that to you that I recognize that, you know, see me. Yeah. I yeah. did that. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. You know, and I think there's, it's a vulnerable you, experience. I mean, do you feel like you've seen that modeled in their family? Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. I think there's like a, a real honesty and, um, uh, vulnerability that only comes through that space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, going back to your uh, episodic, what is it? Uh, procedural, procedural, episodic, and episodic semantic. And semantic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the episodic part of that is I. I think we all do it. I mean, I remember. It, I, I don't know. I remember it a lot when I was a kid. Is there's a lot of like. That this acting out of forgiveness. Hmm. So it's like something something happens. I hit uh, my sister, or uh-huh. she pulls my hair, or something happens, and my parents come in and they say stop, and we stop, and they say you're going to apologize to her, mm-hmm. and then I'm like sorry. And like, <laughs> Rewind. Uh-huh. We're going back to the beginning. Uh-huh. We're going to do this again, uh-huh. and here's how you're going to say it. And uh-huh. it's like mimic me. And for me, you know, as a kid, you're like, what? You're just annoyed. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And then I finally get it close enough to the approximation that they're trying to get me to. And then she's just like, whatever, you know? And they're like, what? Run it back. That's not how you respond when somebody apologizes to you. You know, and you go through this huge, elaborate, like, rehearsal of a play Mm. until one day, you know, over time, it's like, you just start doing it because it becomes a hassle. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just going to say it in the right way. And you respond in the right way. And we go about our day. And then all of a sudden, later on, it, the semantic meaning of it comes in with you're like, you go through the ritual, what has become ritual now. And you go through it and you're like, oh, shit, that was meaningful. Mm-hmm. I see you. You see me. I'm vulnerable, I'm forgiven, mm-hmm. you love me. All of a sudden, all this meaning sort of erupts out of this ritual. Mm-hmm. And God, I'm so thankful that someone took the time mm. and the hassle to force uh-huh. a couple little brats to go through this play. <laughs> wow, that's really powerful. That is. Well, because, I mean, it's powerful too because I 
I feel like the parenting, um, whatever, I don't know how to say that word, Malu or whatever, like the general. Yeah. What's what? The M word. I don't know. It's like what you're supposed to do is don't force them to just say the words. I feel like that's the kind of, yeah, I feel like that's the current, at least that's the current, like, perspective that I have picked up is that you're not supposed to just force them to say the words when they don't have any actual feeling or intention behind it. Hmm. But what you're saying is that saying the words, whether or not there's um, an applied meaning Mm -hmm. creates a ritual that's, which then can be embodied Mm. once the mature once the emotional maturity yeah. is there. Right. That's what I heard. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I, and I'm trying to like think about the other side of that because you also have to have some discernment and wisdom in the way that you force someone to act out the play because obviously it's not good or healthy to force our children to do what we want them to do all of the time. That be- mm-hmm. can become very... Abusive. Abusive. Mm-hmm. I was going to say perverse. But I mean, that is a perversion of this thing. Yeah. Um, and it can become abusive. And so that probably out of a reaction of some abuse comes a mindset that says, well, we shouldn't require our children to do anything that they're not fully feeling and understanding. But that seems really naive and maybe abusive in another way because you're not teaching yeah. at that point. I mean, to teach, and I think this ties into your sort of way of seeing uh, knowledge and communication. It's like, if you're going to learn something, you have to encounter it as an unknown first. Mm-hmm. And the only way to encounter it as an unknown is for somebody to model it mm-hmm. based upon things that you do know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how to dance. Okay, teach me how to dance. You're going to take my arm and put it here, and then you're going to take my other arm and put it there, and then you're going to you know, move my arms for me because mm-hmm. I don't know the movements. And then I get one, and then we practice, and we go through it, and we're st- I'm still pretending. Right. You know, for a long time mm-hmm. until finally the spark gets in there. It's like I didn't, I didn't have the genuine thing and then express it. I was taught the thing and then learned the the genuine expression out of being taught the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. It does. You're given a structure. Yeah, and yeah, but you got to be careful with that structure too because. Mm-hmm. You can overdo it. I mean, I, I, when you were describing that scenario with you and your sister, I mean, I can just see your mom and your dad like being like, oh, okay, hmm, again, let's try that again. Yeah. And it's more of like, I know you're, I know what you're capable of. Yeah. And well, I'll wait until you're, you can bring forth what I know you have yeah. to bring to this moment. But it's, it's exhausting as a parent it's to exhausting. do. It's <laughs> exhausting. I mean, I find, it, I find myself in this situation, you know, I, I, because when I think about the model that my family gave me, my parents and my brother and sister, and, and how I want to raise my kids, and I find myself falling short just constantly. What? You do? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I find these times, like, the girls come in and they're yelling and arguing about something, like probably a, a brush or a piece of clothing. They fight about clothing all the time. Um, and they're just like, they come in and they're both yelling about the thing. And I just want to be like, you, just 
I'm going to take the thing and I'm just going to put it in the trash and then problem solved, problem solved, but it doesn't solve the problem, you know, (laughs) but it's just exhausting to deal with it because we got to sit down and have a whole trial now and, you know, everybody's bringing witnesses and it's, (laughs) it gets out of control and I just, sometimes I don't have the energy and I, I struggle to sometimes like going back to this idea of you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I need to sacrifice myself in my time and my attention and my energy mm-hmm. to them to teach them something about how to deal with this them, themselves. Cause they don't know how to deal with it themselves. If they did, they would have, yeah. right? but they don't. And so they're coming to me and, and when they come to me complaining about this thing they're fighting about, I think really what they're doing is coming to me and asking me to teach them how to deal with it, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not. And then I've got to sacrifice all of these things, my time, my attention, my energy to teach them. But there are times when I don't have it. Mm-hmm. There are times when they come to me and I'm just like, I don't, I don't have it to sacrifice. Yeah. I'm literally out of energy. I'm literally on a phone call for work that I can't get off of. We're literally walking out the door to get you to school. We don't have the time. You know, there's, there's right. situations where you just don't have it to give. And so to, to come up with some, to, to set some sort of rule, some sort of self-sacrifice rule that I will always do that isn't necessarily healthy either. No. There's definitely the wisdom in knowing when, you know, because again, sometimes it's like, no, we just stop now. Mm-hmm. Like everything, No. And then there's that, we just move on. You know, there's, I think there is that aspect, but uh, you definitely, there's, but it can't be just that. You also need to work through and deal with things. But there are some things you're just like, no, Mm -hmm. done. This is not a discussion. This is over. You know, that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) It usually (laughs) doesn't go well. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. But it's like, because it, it, sometimes it just, it's, I don't know. I I feel like there's like some real, like over over teaching can lead to like some I don't know pettiness or whatever you know or coddling yeah. and and it's like no some, sometimes we just need to learn learn a lesson of just like it's over it's done right <laughs> or I mean the question that's coming to mind is like in that situation it's like oh I don't I can't deal with this what has worked for y'all in the past mm-hmm. you're good yeah at I've taught you things before <laughs> I've taught we've we've dealt with similar situations can y'all think about what has worked <laughs> yeah, in the past yeah yeah and come back you know. You can, you can, they can figure out their own stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to have all the answers. Right. No, but it's the thing that I keep saying to myself because I say it to our mamas all the time. Like, there's not a human on earth that gets to have a perfect parent. Yeah. And just had another dog arrive in the room. Hello. <laughs> we get to we get to be imperfect. We get yeah. to be in process. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another thing that you. I mean, there's it's like this whole teaching your kids. There's so many layers to it. That's another thing that you get to teach your kids is that you are imperfect. Mm-hmm. And when we get to be imperfect, that means they can be imperfect. <laughs> and what a relief! Yeah. What a relief! I get to mess up, and you get to mess up, and and that's okay. We all get to mess up. Yeah. And I can still be with you when you're messing up. Mm-hmm. And I'll suffer that with you. Yeah. I'll be in it. And it's real hard. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest struggles with when Austin, those years that Austin was home, homeschooled, 
But he was he was in a really bad place, and I was in a really bad place, and we were both a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be with him, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to be with me. <laughs> it's so real bad. Uh-huh. But we grew from that, and yeah. he overcame a lot of stuff, and I'm better now at being with anger mm-hmm. and being with their anger and being with my anger and sitting with it like it's okay like it's okay we don't have to like squelch it mm-hmm. but it is exhausting well, cheers to that <laughs> <laughs> cheers <laughs> yes mm-hmm. I love you guys yeah uh, I love you guys too this yeah, has so. been I mean so <laughs> uh, this is episode number 10 for us oh wow Mm-hmm. Which that's pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. This is a great one to move into double digits with. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Allison. Double digit. Double digit Allison. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for coming and doing this with us. Yeah. This was great. Would you do it again? Absolutely. Cool. Yes. I really want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have a I think an Instagram uh, episode with Allison to do. I don't know. I would love to do that. Y'all have to take the reins because yeah. I don't know much about the Enneagram. You can be the subject. I know what you tell me. <laughs> yeah, let, let's do that. Let yeah. me be the subject matter. Evaluate yeah. me. About you, well, yeah. I don't know. I think we'd get I a lot of interest it. in that one. Yeah, it's people really like the enneagram. Yeah, which I would love to talk about. Yeah, totally. It's a it's an awesome tool. Yeah, I'd love to understand why it has mm-hmm. become such a a movement. Yeah, it's kind of because like, it's not new. No, it's not new. Oh, it has everything to do with identity. Well, come back and let's do an Enneagram episode. Shoot, we're just doing that two hours right now. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for being here. It's really fun to be here. Uh It's great. Y'all are are fantastic. (laughs) You too. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for uh, listening again. And uh, yeah. We'll be back soon. This is Michael. This is Matt. Yeah. Oh, I cut you off. I know. Let's try that again. Well, first we should say, if you made it this far and you're still listening, go follow us on Instagram. That's true. Yeah. Um, And I've been wanting to get more engagement and you can't really do that if you're listening through um, the podcast Apple app. Mm -hmm. But if you're SoundCloud is our source. Mm-hmm. That's where all our content lives, and, it, and then it gets distributed out to Spotify and Apple uh, and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. But you can leave comments on Spotify. Yeah. So if you have a thought, um, I haven't done that Spotify for a while. Sorry, did I say Spotify? Yeah. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can leave comments on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to engage in any way, please do that. Yeah, we'd love to hear comments and ideas and mm-hmm. thoughts. So or on our Instagram at Shores of Ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got a YouTube channel, yes, which we have a few of the episodes on. We mm-hmm. didn't record this one tonight, yeah. but we did our last one. Uh-huh. Um, and I think we've got Mark Stoney on there, David Ramirez on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just those two. Just those two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's the uh, repping, yeah. the, the obligatory repping of the social media. <laughs> Bravo. So. <laughs> okay. So now let's try it again. Okay. Cool. Thank you guys for coming. This is Michael. This is Matt. The Shores of Ignorance. Ha, ha, ha.